Hello and welcome to Duelist Community Raw, episode 27. I am not what you think I am. Any idea that you think I am? Any any sort of fucking teacher or guru or enlightened idea? Get rid of that shit, please. For the love of all that is good and holy in this world, I go through shit all the time. Yesterday, it's going through a bunch of just dumb shit in my head, worrying about shit for like a couple hours. Last week, going through a whole other thing. It's always there. It's always in there. Nothing has changed in that sense. It's just the weight that I give it, how seriously I take it. That's the only thing that has shifted in me. But I go through shit all the time. I do dumb shit all the time. Any idea that you think of me as is in the same place that you are. I have not changed the place that I'm at <laughs> since I was you know, going through all my shit, 14, 15, 16 year old, years old, getting caught up in all my concern, trying to fear being lost and being this idea or being afraid of being the idea that people don't see very much in. I have not left that spot. It's still all there. It's just how I see myself has shifted. And you're not far from it. It's right there too. It is a process, but it's happening. Not not by you, but as you. I am likewise going through the shit all the time. And I want to. It's not that I don't want to go through the shit. It's just that there is a way to go through said shit with less resistance to it without getting so much on you, as it were. It might be part of the journey, but that doesn't mean you can't learn to dance with it and pull a Matrix Neo-style move as it flies by, that kind of thing. But it really just comes down to sensitivity and getting past the mentality that you've gotten used to. But that all said, because I go through the shit, because I respect everybody else who is also going through the shit, and we all are, I really want to be of service to those that are going through the shit who would appreciate perhaps talking to somebody else who's willing to talk about it. But that doesn't mean I'm here to make friends. It is very important to me, by virtue of how long I went through that shit, to be empathetic and honest with you. That doesn't mean you're always going to like my answer. And that is not a consideration in me giving you that answer. The integrity of the answer is the most important part. So while I may not always say things that feel good, I am saying things that may help you identify why it doesn't feel good. So that way you can get over it. So that way one day it won't hurt and you can learn that lesson and become a little bit more free in yourself and maybe pass that lesson on to someone else once you've stopped worrying about whether or not they like you for doing so fact is, is that I love this community and everything that is happening in its growth. And I love you for growing in your own journey. I'm glad to be here. It means a lot to me. So much so that I will always be as honest with you as I can, whether it sounds pleasant or not. So with all that said, I hope you enjoy this live stream that is Dual Security Raw, episode 27. All right. Here we go. Monday. It's funny. I love Mondays. Mondays are so much fun because it's the day before our either our call-in show or our new group show, our roundtable episodes. Those are a blast. Tomorrow's call-in show I've been looking forward to all week long. 
yeah likewise i'm just figuring out my uh my background here i forgot to set this there we go um yeah the uh tuesdays are a blast i'm really glad we added those those two in there because and that's that's kind of the fun of it is with these lives we're we almost had someone come on and join us today and they're not here obviously but um with with all of these lives that we do they're there are episodes like we post them as episodes so we can use them for like so many different things and we have so many options for like what to do with them and so it's fun to just be be able one week to be like yeah should we add a add a call-in show yeah should we should we get some patreon people on some of these calls like yeah sure fuck it why not and on that note actually i was thinking it, it might be fun to uh to open it up to other creators to at least get in a queue or a list for consideration for some of these like Monday raw episodes. I, was, I thought that might be fun. I was also thinking because I run across TikTok all the, I run across things on TikTok all the time where I think to myself, <laughs> I wonder what Andrew would think about this. And sometimes it's fun stuff where I, I'll send you the link, like uh, the Anunnaki queen, for example, that, that kind of thing. And sometimes it's more thought provoking stuff. And I was thinking it'd be, it'd be interestingly like once every month or two, whenever we got a good collection of them, like you just collect things that you'd want to get my take on from TikTok, and I'll just collect things that you wanted that I want to get your take. And then we'll just do an episode where we just show the clips and see the reactions and talk about the clips back to back and, and just cover some of the weird and wonderful shit that's out there. Cause whew, humanity. Humanity is a fascinating thing, but yeah, I'm I'm definitely down to do that because that'll, I don't know, all that stuff just makes things even more easy for us on these calls. But yeah, if we we have some interesting videos, because there's, I mean, there's so many out there, and there's so many that I'm like, you know, people, especially because people think we're saying the same sort of stuff as as a lot of people that fit into that, and it's very few are because it's not even about. <laughs> The stuff you know it, it comes down to what we're embodying but also like we're willing to talk about everything too because everything is you know within the realm of being reality it's just your experience it's not about you know getting as deep as possible all the time although that can be fun too but like it's a fun way to spend things it's not the the root of our experience because the root of our experience is the experience it's not necessarily about any given topic or or idea so yeah i mean long story short i think that would be dope to to as we are scrolling through things to come across videos that i don't know just find interesting even could could be anything but i don't i honestly i rarely scroll through tiktok like i am i am in and out of that platform like i post our videos and and even sometimes like i'll post it on instagram and then kind of forget to post it on tiktok for a little while um but yeah i i because I'll, I'll get lost in that in that vortex of it uh, i'm better about it now but you know there's times where it's like oh shit 45 minutes an hour has gone by and still stuck in that vortex so i kind of steer clear of it for the most part but maybe i will for this for this episode that's kind of funny. Yeah, for me, um, I don't know. I think it's just because I've very specific things that capture my attention. So my TikTok is generally pretty interesting. Like I, I see things about like 
religious texts and the original translations of them, or I see scientific breakthroughs, or sometimes, you know, I'll see like the emotional breakthroughs and stuff like that, because I'm interested in self-help and, and, and people conquering depression and anxiety and stuff like that. So I'll see some emotional stuff um, and cat videos. That, that's that's pretty much it. But yeah, most of my TikTok feeds pretty interesting as a whole. And when I'm not doing that or just going for a walk or something, I, I'm always looking up new articles and stuff that, that are released every day about uh, scientific breakthroughs and different things that are happening in the world. Like I, I really enjoy exposure to information as a whole. It, it, at one point, it used to really overwhelm me because I would get all caught up in it and it'd be like, oh, this is happening. And, oh, this is happening. Oh, this is an injustice. And I'd get, I'd get really upset about uh, all the information I was taking in. Now it's just, oh, wow, <laughs> there's so much out there. You know, there's just so much information. And it's always so interesting to see how, how often the information is skewed to one side or the other. And when you realize that, then it's really just about taking it in. But I find TikTok to be a fascinating um, app for the simple reason that the algorithm really does try to figure out what captures your attention or what might be relevant to the things that you've already paid attention to. And so it's kind of like your brain, right? The more that you focus on certain thoughts, the more your brain trains itself to be able to think about those thoughts. And so on TikTok, the more you focus on certain content, the more you're training it to focus on certain content. So it's an excellent, excellent tool in terms of curating your attention. I know I've said this previously, but it's true. You watch what you're, what you're really drawn to, just watch TikTok, it'll show you. Give it a week of your attention here and there. And it will start to show you the things that really catch your attention. If you're like, oh, it's always still showing me all this stupid shit. <laughs> that's because that's what you've been paying attention to. That's the funniest part about it. So it's actually, it's quite revealing when you use it that way. So I, and it's actually, it's helped in a couple of ways for me because I'll notice that when my content or the content that I'm starting to see gets a little too dry, like it's a little bit too much on the science and philosophy end, that's when I know, like, right, I should probably pay attention to humor. Like, there's people going through stuff. And so I'll switch gears. I'll go start checking out all my followers, the, the people that I follow, which are a lot of my followers. I only follow my followers for the most part. Um, and I'll check out their content. And that will suddenly diversify everything I'm, I'm watching. But, yeah, it, it's a great tool in, in that way. And it's funny to me that I follow my followers for the most part, as many as I can, because there's a limit on TikTok. You can't follow over 10k or something like that so i stopped at a certain point but i used to always try and follow my followers if they were making content you know now it's just it's just too much <laughs> and and the turnover rate is huge i'll follow someone like a month later they hate me uh yeah your turnover rate is probably one of one of the best in the game in terms of the the rapidity rapidness of it but uh i don't know it, it doesn't necessarily drop off there's always people coming in and out so you know but i guess that's the balance between people something hits and lets them feel better and then you talk about actually getting better and it completely contradicts the thing that made them feel better not contradicts but for within them it contradicts you know their idea of what they clung to on that on that one video so it is it is very funny to see how many people go in and out and i've certainly i i lost i think after the uh gender pronoun slash dress video back-to-back -back days i think i lost like five thousand followers on instagram from that mm -hmm. but then you know 
and and I when people ask about that, they're like, you know, oh, does that freak you out? And it's like, no, I I actually enjoy it because you know, as much as it it makes people run away, a lot of people are like, oh wow, you know, thanks for saying this. I've been thinking about this stuff. So that those people just create a deeper connection, or you just created a deeper connection with those people. Um, so yeah, it balances out and it really just like if you post videos that are controversial, just like strengthens the people who are following and you know they're actually engaged in it instead of just, you know, being on the fringe and a couple of videos make them feel good and then, you know, some they don't like, whatever. They're just not as interested in everything. So yeah, I really enjoy when I lose followers because I know that was probably a, a solid video to get out there. So well, that's how you know, right? Isn't it interesting that like, more often than not, if you make your video as egotistical as possible, you really you know focus in on that that uh, egotistical value and that sense of this is going to complete you, or it's just straight up distraction. You'll probably do pretty well in terms of traffic. But if you were to make something that's fairly thought provoking, deep, you know something that that changes your perspective of things, but actually requires you to change your perspective of things, change yourself. That may not hit a lot of people, but the people that it does hit have more, it has more of an impact. And I think that we get so caught up in thinking about the virality of something, how, how quickly it will spread from person to person to person that we don't think about, yeah, but how deeply does it spread from person to person to person, you know, outside of being like, uh, a catchy tune that they can't seem to forget or something that was funny and makes them laugh over and over and over again to a certain point, is it changing them? Is it something that's sticking or is it just something that they're going to laugh about and then forget and it's just going to become the next thing in two days? I think it's something to consider because while we don't have a huge following, that we do have quite a growing following, I just wanted to say to the person listening, it's nice to have you here. There's a lot of us that are showing up lately. Um, it's not about the size of the following. It really is about how deeply it's connected to each person, how deeply it's it's resonating with each of the people who are listening and participating in the groups, right? And this is the thing about the groups that I, I love. You know, it's funny. I was uh, a big part of my life now that we're full-time here on, on Dualistic Unity is uh, rendering video. And you might see Andrew and I release like five episodes a week, maybe six. It really depends. But the real work in terms of rendering is on Patreon. We release 10 to 16 hours of additional footage on Patreon every single week. Every single week, we have groups five days a week where we talk to people and we share insights and we listen to them and we answer questions and we go through things that we may not go through here on the podcast. There are just hundreds of hours at this point on Patreon of just group after group after group with people having insights, having breakthroughs, suffering through things, sharing things that inspire other people. It's so much better than the podcast. And it's not to insult Andrew and me because we do our, we do our best here to create interesting content and have a conversation that we enjoy, but humanity, right? To see how many of us are out there just going through it, to have that conversation where somebody, like yesterday, perfect example, somebody was shocked to find out that Andrew and I still go through stuff that in one of the episodes we're like yeah oh yeah no i go in and out of that too for sure absolutely frustrations expectations getting back lost in the stuff 
it's easy to form an idea of someone, especially when you only see them performing a certain role or, or acting in a certain way or in a certain environment. And so when Andrew and I are on here, it's very easy to come up with the idea like, oh, well, these guys are insightful. They must be always insightful and on the ball. And we're in the same boat that you are. And so these groups are an excellent opportunity, not just for you to share where you're at, but for us to relate to you, to tell you exactly how it is that we're going through something similar or that we've gone through something similar or that we've yet to go through something similar. It really depends on the situation, but at least we can talk to you and break down that bridge that may exist right now between you and us, just simply by virtue of the fact that you don't have that opportunity to chat with us. You can only have an idea based on what you're hearing and what you're seeing right now, right? So definitely, I guess the whole point of that is if you like this content and you want to see more and you want to see a wider variety in terms of conversation, check out our Patreon page, patreon.com slash dualistic unity. And the reason I keep talking about Patreon, um, and I know I do a lot in the recent episodes, <laughs> somebody actually said in one of the live streams, this live stream sponsored by Patreon. The reason that, that I say this is simply because Andrew and I are working so very hard to make sure that we do not have to go out and peddle other products that we don't believe in. Like we don't want to make this into something that is sheerly focused on the money. And so we try to focus on the community and on the time that we can put into it, so on and so forth. But obviously we still have to live. We still have rent and we still have bills that we have to pay. And there's, there's considerations in our life. And so rather than go out looking for corporate money, which again, it's going to come in its own time as the podcast grows, we'll get more sponsors in terms of advertisers and stuff like that. But as of right now, it's really the community that keeps us going. And we are really, really grateful to the community. So we put a lot of time and energy and, and, and attention into Patreon because quite honestly, it's those supporters that keep this afloat and have been for the last year year and a bit now. So I just wanted to give them a quick shout out. And again, let you know, if you haven't joined us on Patreon, it's totally worth it, in my opinion. And I say that knowing how much we put into it week to week to week. Not only that, though, you get to see a lot of the people that you've seen on some of our groups, like Amanda, for example, who is often in our group. Some of our roundtable guests are often in our groups. And so the conversations are always, always very insightful. And we appreciate everything that people bring to the table. That said, again, tomorrow is our first call, not our first call-in show, our second call-in show. There will be a link that you can go to. I will provide that tomorrow during the live stream. You can click the link, agree to the terms. There will be a phone number or a link that you can click to join us on the screen. And you can chat with us for 10 or 15 minutes while we record an episode of Dualistic Unity Raw. I'm very, very excited about that. And that all said, one last thing, the dating workshop, which we finished this weekend, which was so much fun. I thought that was great. It's interesting how something as simple as dating can get so convoluted and so misunderstood simply because it comes from a place of egotism. It comes from a place of trying to complete yourself as opposed to an expression of yourself being complete. It's like everything else. And so it was really nice to be able to sit down for four hours over the weekend, two, day, two hours each day, and just go through you know, the foundation of, of avoiding toxicity before you even get out there. And then some of the, the basics of avoiding toxicity once you're in the mix. And so yeah, I, I was really grateful for everybody who showed up. We had quite a, a big group too, which was really nice. Um, anybody wondering that that copy of the workshop will be available on the website later on this week. Yeah, workshop was was a blast. It was really fun. I And for anyone who's listening, if you were 
in the workshop. Very much appreciate you for making it what it was. That's why, you know, we split our workshops kind of half and half. It's not just us talking the whole time. We do a full hour out of the two hours each day of Q&A because we want people involved. We want people informing the conversation and we want it to be, you know, curated to what you're going through. And so that's why we we do that because everyone who does have a question or thought or insight or anything about you know the topic that we're going through in the workshop is going to be involved in making the workshop what it is because they have questions and and they're everyone's able to share everything they have that's why we leave so much time open for it but uh yeah just to just to harp on patreon one more time it is an amazing place like it, it's easily my favorite form of content is the patreon groups and as much as i love the podcast i love you know posting videos and whatnot it's the the community and the interactions that we get there that are so much fun and yeah we very much appreciate everyone on there because that's a big part of how we're making an income right now like we quit our jobs we're doing this all the time we're doing you know five days of groups a week five days of episodes a week sometimes six episodes a week every single week and we're just putting out stuff for everyone else and uh for ourselves because we very much just enjoy doing this for sure this is you know fulfilling in itself but that being said gotta eat gotta gotta have something above my head and uh some clothes and whatnot so we we very much appreciate everyone on patreon um yeah, i wanted to add something to that actually it's interesting because so i, I was a life coach for a long time um I know that there are certain practices that you would recommend to somebody in a life coaching business, and we blatantly don't follow those practices. I just wanted to say that, that the Patreon supporters really do allow us to do one other thing, which is to apply the insights that we're trying to talk about on here. And what I mean is that because we have Patreon supporters who are willing to help us from month to month, whether it be $5, $25, or $100 a month, the fact is that we don't have to charge as much for our workshops. And I've had more than a few of my peers tell me, why are you charging that little for your workshop? And my answer is always, because it's helpful to people and it would be helpful if they could access it. Not everybody can access a workshop that's $100 a ticket. Not everybody can afford to do that you know, once a month or even once every six months. I get that for sure. And so we really do try and make it so the workshops are affordable as possible. And of course, our Patreon supporters actually get like a 30 to a 50% discount on workshops that are already affordable. And it, it really is the goal of ours to not, not make this a cash cow by any means, but to make it so that way the more money that does come in, whether it be through advertisers or supporters, the cheaper we can make it for everybody else who's joining the community to have access to certain things like tickets to the retreat. You know, that's a perfect example. Right now, we very much have to operate the retreat as a business. There's a certain amount of profit and there's a certain amount of, of cost. There's a certain amount of liability. There's a certain amount of all of this. And so that's got to come out of the uh, out of the ticket price and so on. And we try and keep it as low as possible. We look for the best deals we can. But if we had more advertiser revenue coming in, for example, that could help subsidize that, we'd be able to give away you know, one or two tickets, or we'd be able to drop those tickets by $100, $200 each, just because we aren't looking at, at the necessity of having to survive. So it goes a long way in terms of community support. And whether it's monetary support on Patreon, or it's you sharing our stuff on uh, Instagram or TikTok or whatever it might be, I just wanted to say, I've seen a lot of those around lately. Thanks so much. Like, it's really weird for me to see somebody say exercising 
on a video showing like how motivated they are and the back and the background of that is my voice saying something i always find that just bizarre but we really appreciate the shout outs and we really appreciate you just telling your friends and people you know about dualistic unity we, we really appreciate all this because that's the stuff that makes the community grow it's your attention however that attention comes about it's your attention and it's just like anything else in your life if your attention is on freedom if your attention is on letting go that's what you're going to continue to see in your life and if all of our intentions are to let go and this conversation is how we facilitate that that process and we're just paying attention on that process then this will grow as a result of that attention and and i do believe that i really don't think it's about money at all again there's the necessity there's the world that we live in and the symbolism of money and its unfortunate role but we're going to make that work for us because eventually it's going to get to the point where we're going to need less and less support there's going to be more and more coming in and we're going to be able to do things like create supports for community or do big lavish things that embarrass rich people who are super selfish i look forward to doing that i really do i look forward to doing things that are just blatantly selfless for the sake of showing everybody you can do that and not have to make yourself make it about yourself you know you can do that and not necessarily take it as a tax write-off or do it because it's a tax write-off you can just do nice things you can just do things for yourself through other people that's okay and if we could normalize that i think that in itself would create a hell of a ripple wouldn't that be fun to talk about with other people on on television or, or otherwise talking to other creators like hey guess much guess how much shit we gave away this week That'd be awesome. Yeah, I'm very much looking forward to that to that day. And yeah, with the with the community and the growing community, like I think a lot of people. We recently had an episode about uh, spiritual psychosis, and there, there's a ton to that. But I think a lot of people, when they start to you know wake up to seeing things a little bit more clearly, seeing a little bit closer to you know what the reality they are in a society that's so far from that it can kind of make you think you might be going crazy because everyone around you is like what are you talking about like you're not what you think i am i'm this this is me this is it and it's like who's who's telling you that what's what's telling you you're not also also that well it makes me comfortable to be limited to this blah 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 you know people have all of their different responses but a lot of people do when they start to ask those questions, like look around, surrounded by people who aren't, who don't want to ask those questions, who, when you do bring them questions, they tell you to shut up, fuck off, or you know, go away, basically. And so that's my favorite part of, of dualist community is that we do, we have been able to reach people across the world who haven't. You know, they've been going through things thinking that they might be crazy because they're having recognitions without so many concepts and labels that in a world full of believing that concepts and labels are the truth, they're going to tell you that you're crazy if you recognize that they're not. And so we've been able to, you know, reach people with this conversation who are thinking about the same types of things. And that's, you know, the best part, like on any of the calls that we have or anything like there's people from around the world, you know, wake, waking up at 2am sometimes to hop on, you know, a Patreon group chat or something. And so it's just fun to be able to have this conversation. So, you know, as we grow, being able to, you know, take it to the forefront of reality, you know, on, on the news, the mainstream media that's so caught up in, you know, 
closer to the opposite end of the spectrum to be able to have this conversation and and explain it in a way that you know is is hard to argue is always a lot of fun because they're clinging to certain things and as you point out the obviousness of you know how how distorted that viewpoint is how caught up in an illusion it is even if it makes you comfortable doesn't make it the reality of what it is and so just being able to talk about this more and more in front of you know more people and get the word into some of those places that are kind of you're more or less unable to get there without doing some big crazy extravagant stuff so as we do that you know i'm sure that will increase and those options and opportunities will increase as well but yeah the day we can start you know putting up billboards just doing shit because we can and and making those crazy ripples is going to be an exciting day (laughs) yeah i agree and it really is because and it's funny we were talking about this and and often it's so interesting because the 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 ego wants a quick solution to a problem and so when we look at the world, we go, okay, well, we got to create some social programs. We got to create some safety net. Like we have to create a way to help people who are being crushed by this incredibly unfair system. We have to find a way to, you know, create community gardens and we have to find a way to advocate uh, for tribes and we have to, you know, find a way to do all these things. And that's all great, but it's kind of like uh, going to therapy when your life is a burning shit show that therapy might help a little bit, but then you're going back to your life. And so that's kind of the problem is that as much as we have great ideas for for solving certain problems in terms of the environment or in terms of, again, helping people eat or homelessness, things like that, the system that we're trying to implement those solutions in is toxic. The system continues to tear down our progress or our potential just by virtue of how it's built right and so as much as it's important to be out there and and advocate for those things i think it's also important to tackle the mentality as a whole and i think that that's what john lennon was trying to do in his uh his billboards that war is over and again i I love that as an example i think that's something that we need to do more of but i think corporate profiteering gets in the way of that and what i mean is that there are a lot of commercials, oddly enough, if you watch, there are some commercials that actually have quite insightful messages that are then undercut by the need to promote a brand. All the time, I remember uh, there was this commercial, can't remember which car manufacturer it was for, but basically this person is driving through the countryside. It's just rolling fields all around them in this highway that's going through. And they're driving along and they're thinking like, oh, God, work is really tough today. And you can hear this inner monologue that they're going through in their head about, you know, such and such. I don't think Sally likes me. And, you know, I wonder, wonder what I'm going to do tomorrow. And then all of a sudden the car just stops, like all of time just freezes. And this person stops thinking and they look around at the field and the whole the whole thing slows right down to this moment where this person's in the moment appreciating where they are and they go ah what was for dinner tonight zoom and it picks up again and you see you can see the insight there you're like that's brilliant and then the next line is you know just get yourself a kia or something like that like it really is just about marketing the product to be more in the present like and they tie it together that way another car manufacturer this was years ago 
it was this guy standing in front of a building. This was the commercial. And he's like, you know, you don't need to be tied down to your job. You don't need to know what's going to happen tomorrow. And he's talking about embracing uncertainty. And then the next line was, you can own this SUV. And it was very much, you know, getting off the beaten path and using that whole symbolism and everything else. And you're just like, oh, I understand why Bill Hicks was was so uh, against marketers, right? Like that's his whole joke. It's like marketers, you're just, you're machinations of evil, <laughs> that kind of thing. And it's just because you can take something that's so beautiful and twist it to your advantage. And that's what gets me is that how many messages are there? How many messages consciousness is throwing out? Our awareness is throwing up like bubbles boiling to the surface and they get distorted by profiteering. They get distorted by the company that's paying that person for their time rather than that person's time just being expressed for the rest of us. And so I think it would be incredibly powerful to just start creating really, really profound commercials, really profound billboards, things like that, without any advertising, without any branding whatsoever. This message brought to you by you. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. And just, just to have enough to just, just pound on the media, just over and over and over and over again, just to start diluting their muddy water with or sorry uh, let's just say you know cleaning the water a little bit adding some purity to it getting all of that toxicity out of the way by actually introducing the, the opposite selflessness for selflessness's sake i think that would be beautiful i would love to see that and that's very much the point and so going back to patreon supporters until we can get to a point and i'm not gonna lie like right now the dualistic unity podcast for everybody who would like an update um is soaring like our traffic continues to grow by leaps and bounds every week, week by week by week, we are setting pre we are uh, breaking previous records and setting new records for ourselves in terms of traffic, in terms of uh, engagement, in terms of how many podcasts are being downloaded from day to day to day. Uh, last month, we were over 60,000 plays on the podcast alone, not counting everything on, on YouTube. Right. Or any of the other platforms that are hosting our videos. And so we're growing all the time. You got to consider our first month. I think we got close to 300 total plays in that first month. Right. And we do that in an hour. now. So we are excelling and we are growing, but we are not at a point yet where, where frankly, we're pulling in the advertisers like, say, the Joe Rogan show. We're not there yet but we are rapidly excelling. Like when you look at the other podcasts in our category or even in other categories and you compare our traffic, we're, we're picking up fast. We really are. We are going to start getting more and more attention and we are going to be able to start putting more and more resources into pushing this in front of the world and just getting it out there. So more people know this conversation's here because that's the thing. How many of us listening to the podcast, how many of us getting into this conversation just think to yourself, where was this? It's here. It's just that we're not marketing it. Like we don't have the advertising revenue to push it out there right now. And so we really are just having faith in the organic growth that it's going to reach the right people. And it has in that it reached you. And here you are. And we're doing something with it together. So I'm excited to see where it goes. I'm very excited. And I just wanted to say thank you to everyone, everyone in our Discord, everyone on Patreon, everybody who's in the comments section right now. It means so much that you're here. It means so much that this means so much to you.
Amen. Uh, let me let me know if my audio is clipping at all. Your, yours was good, and then the, the last like minute it was clipping. I'm assuming it's on my end, but um, yeah, let me know. I could probably try and get. Uh, I told everyone in the house to get off Wi-Fi. So anyway, um, yeah, with the uh, with the commercials, I mean those are, those are so funny. The ones where it, it's like, and and you say that Bill Hicks just talking shit on marketers is makes so much sense because they'll they know where to pull you and then as soon as you're at that like sweet spot of vulnerability they're like brand buy this you need it because you're not enough it's like what you're just you're so close to being able to to do those things and then just like as soon as everyone's like what what are they gonna sell what are they gonna sell it's just brought to you by you it's gonna be like what's going on people are going to think they're tripping or something and that's going to be uh that's going to be a blast but yeah th- those are pretty funny the uh the key wait i'm curious though how uh how did kia tie that one in like they stop all their thoughts stop in a in a field were they saying that if you have a kia that that'll be your experience basically because you're driving it's such a smooth ride going through the countryside you'll come closer to the moment you see how it's it's so easy to twist right like it's so easy to twist and and it's because like life in itself moment to moment if you just relax is beautiful but our brain immediately looks for a reason that it's beautiful it re- immediately looks for a justification for that experience and so all marketers have to do is go it's this this is the reason and our brain goes sweet i need to have that and that's how hard it is to pander to us it really is like really simple to market to people um, especially in a certain state of mind because we feel like we're lacking in anything that will make that go away especially if it's something simple well that seems like a really good idea you know the problem is is that there's always a cost there's always a consequence and we don't learn that for a very long time you know, it takes a long time of, of being manipulated by others before you start to recognize that people can be manipulative, right? Because we, we don't know, necessarily know that going out into the world, especially if you don't want to be manipulative. It's always a temptation to see the world the way that, you know, to see people in the same way that you would see yourself. Like, I, I don't want to take advantage of other people. Why would anybody else want to take advantage of people? Where are you going with my purse? You know, that kind of thing. Then that's it, is that we don't see it because we haven't recognized necessarily that, that life is, is tough. You know, this is the hardest thing I think about a world where we have such, such horrors in terms of, of violence and, and, and theft and rape and murder and so on and so forth. I mean, the world that we live in right now is it's, it's difficult. It's difficult, but it's under, it's important to understand that these things happen from the extreme end of disconnection. Kind of like I was saying in one of my videos that uh, colonization is the extreme end of ego, right? Like at the end of the day, when you carry the ego far enough without any checks or balances, you end up wiping out other people who don't agree with you. That's the far end of ego. So when we look at the world right now and the horrors that are happening, we'd go, oh, that's human nature. It's like, no, in the far end of ego, yeah. That's the point. And that's how far out of whack we are. Whereas if we were to limit that, if we were to, to mitigate that or reduce that, actually start adding some context and awareness in a conversation that makes us recognize how disconnected we are, it starts 
to change the spectrum for everybody. All of a sudden the darkness becomes a little bit more gray because the white has become a little bit more white. Does that make sense? Like a lot of that gray ends up becoming a little bit lighter too because we are lightening it up and lighting, lightening up ourselves. Well, all of a sudden those horrors that happen in the corners in the dark, they don't have the dark to hide in. And so they don't happen as often. But it really is just about recognizing it. You can't, you can't fight monsters that we're creating. You know, they're never going to end. We have to stop making the monsters rather than just trying to make them go away. We have to look at the environment that, that created them. And once we change that over time, and that's, that's that patience game again. So it's, it's a balance. It's not like you don't want to be out there stopping people from committing crime, right? But on the other hand, you don't want to blame them solely for the need for crime because there's more to it than that. And I think that's a really important balance to keep. Yeah, it's, it's like that balance between maintaining the mentality and taking the action. So yeah, that, that, or that's how I saw what you're saying, at least, because as much as, you know, we do things, you know, we put things out there and, you know, we're, we're doing this podcast. That's choosing to do something, put something out there. But how well can you maintain that mentality, which is, you know, of primary importance while you're doing the thing that you're doing? So if you're sacrificing a shitload of that mentality in order to make change, like you're trying to make change because you're so fucking angry and, and suffering all the time, like that's going to do less good than, than, you know, bad because you're, you're influencing the mentality that's ultimately going to be what shifts everything so we do things in order to help that mentality shift happen but if we're doing it without the mentality it can't impact the mentality like it can but like not really even if you are in that mentality the reality of what's going to happen no matter how good your intentions are no matter how much you know you do if it's if it's instilled with that or, or riddled with that mentality of getting rid of your own suffering and anger and disgust and despair with with the way things are it's going to influence all of the actions that you take and so if you're not coming from the mentality of you know freedom in yourself you're going to have influence on the things that you do no matter what so it's very important to maintain that balance, but also understand that mentality is key. And if you're trying to do something without the mentality, you're better off not doing it and focusing on yourself until you're in a state of that mentality of freedom, free in yourself, and then, and then go do stuff. And it's not to say that like, you know, some frustration, some anger doesn't arise, but it doesn't, you know, become your primary focus and reason for doing it. It's just there. And it can be sort of like a, you know, get the, get the gears running, get the car started. But if that's, you know, what's progressing the car, then it's just going to, you know, you're going to be crop dust and anger and, and frustration all over reality with everything that you do. Yeah. That's why uh, it's interesting because all of a sudden the ego will do something that's totally counterintuitive to what we actually want to do but we're soothing the ego so it doesn't see it. Like we'll become intolerant uh, of intolerance, right? Or we'll have a zero, a zero, uh, a zero, t 
tolerance policy against bullying. They're kind of bullying the bullies, right? Or um, we're going to stamp out terrorism by bombing the crap out of the families of people who will eventually become terrorists as a result of us doing that. Like we, we just, we get in the way all the time and it's just because we want that quick control. We want that sense of, of peace and certainty and, 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 you know, everything else. And so we don't even recognize where we're doing the opposite of what we want. Right. It's just that our brain is just like, no, look, you can just get what you want this way. It's like, there's so many more considerations. There's always considerations. This is why when you start waking up, you start recognizing like, oh, wow, everything I do has a ripple everything and and you can't control that ripple you can do your best but it's always going to have a ripple and so you always want to maintain awareness right you always want to be watching for that thing this is something that uh ron paul i don't know if you know of ron paul he was uh in, in the american government for a very long time Rand paul is his son who is not nearly as interesting ron paul was actually just just a really interesting person but one of the things that he caught a lot of flack for outside of exposing the federal reserve for 30 years um, was the fact that he was talking about political blowback and had been for a long time, basically telling, you know, the Senate and Congress that, yeah, of course the people in the Middle East and, and, and so on are pissed with us. Of course we're having terrorist threats. We've been over there bombing them for 20 years. Like we've been over there in their shit for our own reasons forever. And you're all acting like we didn't see this coming that we didn't actually in some way instigate this. And that's all, that all seems you know, relatively common sense, doesn't it? When you look at the history and you go, yeah, you know, somebody was bombing the crap out of my, my backyard. I'd be pretty pissed too. If it kept happening over decades, my children might get some ideas, you know, that kind of thing. Right. And, and so you look at that and you're like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Do you think anybody listened to him? No. They, they basically vilified the crap out of him. You know, oh, you're not an American. You're obviously, you're not, you're not in this with us. And he's like, why? Because I'm, I'm advocating for some degree of accountability, right? But this is the same guy who was talking about the debt ceiling in the 80s. This is the same guy who was talking about Keynesian economics in the 80s. He was talking about the, the economy and the problems that we're having right now. And he was consistent for all of that time. Right. And it, it always just came back down to accountability. And this is a guy who was uh, a medic in the war. Right. So to him, it's always just about what can be done right now. He was a doctor as well. Right. So his instincts were not that of a politician. His instincts were that primarily of, of a human being who believed in, in. Well, he's a libertarian. So that says a lot about him as well. Right. Ron Paul was a fascinating character. Fascinating. He ran for president twice in 2008 and 2012. And it's such a shame. There was such a huge movement behind him in the same. It was very much like Bernie Sanders. A lot of the Ron Paul people ended up moving towards Bernie Sanders, despite the fact that there are some differences. There's also a lot of similarities for sure. But that organic movement gets crushed by the system like each and every time, like, look at what happened with Bernie and, uh, and Hillary, right? Like you can say like, oh, well, you know, she, she won fair and square. It's like, did you look at the slant? Did you see how much money was put in behind her? How much they blatantly ignored everything that Bernie was doing? Like that guy would have had way more press and he would have crushed Trump. He would have crushed Trump. It would have been such an interesting debate to watch because Bernie doesn't pull punches. 
right? He would have looked at Trump's little egotism and just called him on it. You know, it's like, you understand, you're saying a lot of nothing, right? Like, <laughs> the best, it would have been just, just awesome. But instead, we ended up with a politician playing politics, and that politician lost because straight up, Trump was me more egotistical in an egotistical game. Right. And that's politics. That's the reason nothing's working. It's because there's no common sense in it. We're too busy playing to the ego. Yeah, the uh, all the Ron Paul stuff is is just fascinating. But even even on the side of, you know, with the Hillary Bernie, it's so funny how it's it's obvious when you put more money into, you know, a marketing and a campaign for for something that is just, you know, a choice between people and you get more people interest like of course that person's going to get more interest and more votes and it's right in our faces like the the corruption and the the skewed and the and the ability to have the impact sure they're not like writing in the votes literally over and over and over but that's how we work like that's how psychology works that's how marketing works and to think that it's not fucking skewed like that and, and rigged like that is is just hilarious because it's not just about you know the specific thing it's everything that goes into everything leading up to it that's that's going to have impact but ron paul i'm i'm very interested in him now i've heard of him and some of the stuff he he did but i had never i didn't know that much and all the stuff he was talking about that's the really dude tried to create a counter currency. It was the Ron Paul Liberty Dollars. The Liberty Dollar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah. That's what I've heard. Of. Holy fuck! The Fed shut that that down fast. Holy shit! Yeah, I can, but that's it. I like he that. he comes from um, the school of Austrian economics, and they look at economics in enti- in an entirely different way. It's not that you know dig a hole and then pay someone else to come fill it in. Economics. Their economics is actually based on the idea that there should be value created. That is through the actual creation of value that the economy continues to go, but you get less bubbles, right? Like the bubbles that we see in our economy are pretty standard for Keynesian economics, right? Because it's just about inflating the money supply and then decreasing the money supply, inflating the money supply. And so you get an overinvestment. There's a huge capacity for corruption over time, right? And so Ron Paul, who comes from an a different school of economics has been trying to draw attention to that forever. You can go back and find um, documentaries from like the early 80s on the money supply and the system and the Federal Reserve and, and Jekyll Island and all that stuff. Like that stuff's been around for a long time. It's been around for a long time. A lot of people are just starting to, to come to um, awareness of it in terms of like the Federal Reserve and where money comes from and, and the corruption behind it. But it's been around forever. It's just that it was always a very small population of people who were called conspiracy theorists who were looked at and been like, oh, yeah, where's your tinfoil hat? You know, that kind of thing. And the problem is, is that some of them were a little bit on the nutty side because it was so difficult to find this information because you actually had to go out of your way to almost be a conspiracy theorist to even suss some of this out. And so, yeah, Ron Paul, he's been, he was around for so long. I'm sad that he's gone to some degree and that we're left with his idiot son. But, and it's, again, like you can say what you like about Rand Paul, but he's nothing like his father at the end of the day, he just doesn't have the integrity and it's because he doesn't have the life experience. You know, he doesn't have that level of empathy. Ron Paul lived a very long life. You got to remember he ran for president when he was, I think in his seventies, like he was pretty old when he ran, but you know, such fresh ideas, same with Bernie, fresh ideas. And 
it's so funny to me because they will try to cater to the to the larger population because they know you know we all think in a certain way we're not going to let that go overnight but it there's always one thing that the system's like nope nope no no don't agree with that that i don't agree with and it's just like one large shift that requires us to be more responsible that's pretty much all it is <laughs> right and that's why the, these candidates never never end up being the chosen candidate and it's largely because we really don't have choice you know we have a choice between the the candidates that the party select that's it and they do so with their money and they do so based on how they're going to keep that money rolling so it's really not about what's best for us whatsoever it's so interesting to watch it on the collective level because it's the very same thing that we do with our ego we will know that certain things are are good for us and then won't do them because they threaten the familiarity of how we've learned to live like we we do it all the time in ourselves and so this is why i think it's so glaringly obvious that that's why the system does it is because we do it in ourselves. And so we're modeling it all the time on a collective level and everything that we do, whether we realize it or not. And so it's the only way to change it is to change ourselves. The only way to change it is to start being accountable, to actually look at the familiar, to look at the ego, to look at the fiction that's driven us nuts for generations and look at it and actually see it. And that's it. That's the only thing we have to do is look at it and actually see it. You don't need to form a plan or a strategy for taking that shit down, because that's the same illusion. You just have to be aware. And that's the one thing that we lack. We lack an awareness of the cycles that we fall prey to, or we fall victim to constantly. You know, and that's the only reason we fall victim to them is because we lack awareness of them. Somebody was saying this yesterday in the dating workshop uh, towards the close, and I thought it was such a fantastic insight that we fall into these cycles. And until we recognize the cycle, we can't break the cycle. And that's the work, is the recognition of the cycle, which requires you to be willing to recognize the cycle, which requires you to have courage and faith. And it always comes back down to the same thing. Yeah, yeah, the, uh, with the, ah, shit, I had something about that last thing. Uh, whatever. I, I also wanted to bring up, uh, Ron Paul's still alive, actually. He's 87, still, still kicking. And I, uh, yeah, he's into Bitcoin as well. Big Bitcoin guy. So he could be he he would be a fascinating person to have on the podcast if if that would be a possibility. I think that would be really cool. Um oh yeah. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Cause I was a huge fan of Ron Paul when, when and I don't even live in the States. That's the funniest part about this. It's interesting because I tend to be a little bit more interested in American politics than I am in Canadian politics. And people have asked me why, because obviously I live in quote unquote Canada. Um, and, and it's just, it's for the same reason that at one point the entire world was focused on the politics of Rome. You know, that's the spoke, you know, that's, that's the hub of the wheel and we're all kind of revolving around it, you know? So that's what I watch right now because there's more ripples from that than anything else. Right. But that's changing very quickly with everything that's happening overseas. And so, yeah, it's an interesting time, time to be alive. It really is. But yeah, that'd be great to talk to Ron Paul over the years. I don't know. I'd really have the urge to send, to ask him, like, what happened to your son there? <laughs> Something's wrong. 
Uh, I'm sure, I'm sure that would go over well. I would be curious. He's like, ah, he like plays it off. Like he can't say anything, but he's like, yeah, jackass. But, um, yeah, what I was going to say before too, was with, uh, as above, so below, like recognizing the cycles, like seeing that you are the system is one of the most important things that we can do. Just like seeing that you are the world, seeing that you are reality, not something separate. So we have this idea of being separate and therefore everything we do has to be outside of us. Like I actually don't have to change myself because that's all the issue. And you know, so I just have to focus on that and don't have to focus on myself or take any fucking responsibility for anything. And the reality is completely the opposite. Like as you change, all of that begins to change. And I was going back and forth with someone in my Instagram comments uh, a couple of days ago. They were, they were saying how we're not the system. Like we, we, the system is, they just see the system as something outside of us, like a, a separate, completely separate entity. And to see it that way, just it it allows you to not do anything and just keep blaming something else. Like it doesn't, it's hard for me to see it as separate anymore. Like I get it, I guess, because even in talking about it, like, oh, the system shifting, blah, blah, blah. But so I guess it's just a very important thing to recognize that that we are the system, but it isn't a common recognition at all because we're we we constantly just want to blame something else voice responsibility not take responsibility everything's everyone else's fault but mine and and that shift from not everything being your fault but everything recognizing that everything's your responsibility but also recognizing the reality of the influence that you have and how you're not going to tackle everything at once but your responsibility is to be free in yourself is kind of like your only responsibility at the end of the day. And through recognizing that responsibility, other things arise, but it always happens through the recognition of freedom in yourself. Everything else just makes a lot more sense to do to help other iterations of yourself. See things a little bit more clearly. Other, you know, things that we're like, you know, what should we do about our society? It's like, let's recognize the freedom in ourselves first, and then some answers may arise through that recognition, but it's always through the recognition, like, you know, how, how peace arises through the acceptance of the situation you're going through, letting go of resistance. It's not, it's not a place that you find, but it's something that arises in certain states of mind. But we have the idea that, you know, society is outside of us, something separate we have to change. Peace is outside of us somewhere we have to get. And at any time, you know, we have gaps between ourselves and other people, ourselves and society, ourselves and the place that we want to be in life is going to be suffering until we get there. But getting getting there is only recognizing that you already already are. And so being where you're at allows all those things that we're trying to get to to come through you and kind of just be expressed through you. It's like that counterintuitive paradox of I guess it's kind of like that. Chinese finger puzzle as well. It's like we keep pulling, keep reaching. And all we have to do is, you know, dive deeper into where we're at and stop trying to be somewhere else. And then it all all comes up. But again, we have to be aware of that mechanism of the ego. We need to be aware of where we're actually investing in something that's making the problem worse without recognizing it. And so just because it's been, I don't know. 20 episodes since I pissed someone off, uh, I figured I'd, I'd 
mentioned the uh, the transgender pronoun argument again because this is this is kind of what I'm saying. So often the problem, in in my opinion, it isn't necessarily the pronouns. It's the fact that we're attacking the problem from the same ego that drives the problem. And so what I mean is that you have a certain amount of people who think that the word he means a certain thing. And then you have other people who are like, well, I don't want to live within that. That's not how I identify. So I'm going to give myself another pronoun and I'm going to basically expect everybody to use that pronoun. And so now you've got one side going, no, it means this. And then the other side going, right, but we want to be this. And the other, and that invalidates that side. And so you've got the ego feeling invalidated on one side or the other. And there's that argument, right? So to me, and I was saying this to you the other day, it would be more transformative, you know, um, more progressive even, to not identify as the opposite gender and still change. So if you want to wear a dress and you are quote unquote a he, don't change the pronoun change what it means do what you want still use the pronoun force everybody who's got a very limited vision of that pronoun to widen it so it's not so restrictive as opposed to forcing them to just respect your pronoun disrespect theirs disrespect the fact that it was ever as as limited and narrow as it was by taking it on and redefining it it's kind of like um the word god you have any idea how many people get pissed off at me because I use the word God? Oh, well, there's so many different meanings behind that. You're obviously going to get into an argument. Yeah, yeah, I probably am. While we redefine the word, which is in the best interest of everyone. But if I go around and create a new word for God in order to have a conversation that's more in line with how I see things, I'm going to have to go through so much work just to bridge that gap between the word that I'm using and people's lack of understanding of it. And isn't that exactly what's happening with the transgender pronoun thing? Like you have to educate so many people because you're identifying as this thing that they don't understand, whereas you could quite easily identify as the thing that they do understand and then change their understanding of it. That would be more progressive, in my opinion, because that would help in terms of future generations, let's say future little boys being raised as a he and not having that restrictive vision of what he means as opposed to still growing up in that restrictive vision and having to feel like you have to break out of it because nobody is breaking it down. I think that would be more progressive, but I think the ego's response as always is to define itself, to set itself apart, to to, uh, value itself via comparison to your assumptions of somebody who identifies differently And then we wonder why we're in a constant state of conflict. The conflict's going to be there, but are we actually creating two sides? Because if we're creating two sides, the conflict is always going to be there. Where if we're breaking down the argument to to recognize we're all in it together, and we let go of those two sides, we just start changing the context, changing the environment itself, that breaks down that egotistical battle. That breaks down the capacity for conflict over time because we're getting rid of the reason for the conflict, the illusion of division. But we can't get out of conflict and reinforce division. It doesn't make sense, it doesn't work. But the ego doesn't wanna listen to that. It just wants to self-define. 
because we would rather feel special than actually make change, I think is what a lot of those come down to. But that was a really great parallel right there between redefining the word God and, and using it, redefining the labels he and she and, and using it like those things actually create change. Because when you're given, you know, the God example, talking about that, you're not going to have as much of an impact on reality if you, you try and pick a different word and change that because that then everyone who's comfortable in their fucking made up idea of God don't have to change at all. They don't not that they have to change, but they they don't have to question anything, which will lead to the change because we're not forcing anyone to change. We're just asking questions. And some of those questions just happen to make people uncomfortable. But it's the same for the the pronouns he and she and what those mean, because that's really what people want to change. But the way we're going about it is through the lens of wanting to feel special rather than sacrificing our desire to feel special in order to have an actual impact on what those fucking words even mean. Because they don't mean anything. They're just penis and vagina is all it means. Everything else, man should be that, you know, Andrew Tate mentality, all that shit. Like men should be this and women should be this. Men should be dominant, women submissive. It's all made up bullshit. And people will point to like genetic shifts, you know, historical ancestral days. And it's like, that was still a product of that happening over time for a very long time. And just because there are differences in, you know, stature and average weight and everything and strength and, and whatnot doesn't mean that those categories are the truth of what it is. There's still labels placed on top of it. There's still things that we've gotten used to that make us more comfortable because we can settle upon them and be like, Oh, a man's this and a woman's this like, no, everything we settle upon are just ideas. So redefining what those mean would be way more fucking progressive than just instead of thinking, Oh, I, I don't fit this box. So I'm going to force myself to fit into this box because you're still in the same game of identity, comparison, value, fluctuating value all of those things and what what you're doing means about you and and the way that other people see you what that means about you redefining those similar to redefining god taking that word back is going to have such a bigger ripple on reality instead of just circling the same type of thing because it's the same mentality shifting those using a different word for god using a different putting yourself in a different box doesn't actually change anything it keeps us in the same mentality and allows you to feel temporarily special until someone comes around and asks you a question. Yeah. And I wanted to address a comment here because it was uh, left. And I think it's really important. Uh, but when trans people change via their homo, their, their hormones, human word noises, their behavior definitely changes. Yeah. So see, that's the thing. Like if a woman decides she wants to take testosterone because she wants to change physiologically. It matches more with her personality, whatever it might be. doesn't matter. They don't have to redefine themselves as a man in order to do that, in order to go through that transition because, and, and again, this is just my mentality. To me, it's more inclusive to not do so because if you're a woman with a higher level of testosterone, 
that happens. You understand like women and men aren't actually this, this black and white dichotomy that we like to think of it. There are men with more testosterone and men with less testosterone. There's women with more testosterone and women with less testosterone. Like that's a thing. And so you don't necessarily have to jump out of the pool just because you have more testosterone. There's people in the pool who have more testosterone who aren't identifying as male either. So to me, that's more inclusive. You see what I mean? Like you're widening, widening the context. If anything, you're making the women who have a higher level of testosterone feel more inclusive as a woman because you don't think they're being judged as not being the ideal of she. And you're doing them a favor by breaking that wide open, aren't you? It doesn't matter if your behavior changes. It doesn't matter about your hormones. It really doesn't. You understand? Like you can be whatever it is you want to be as a person. That has nothing to do with your definition. That has to do with what you do moment to moment in your life. That's it. Your, homo your hormone levels don't indicate what you are. They just change your behavior a little bit, right? And that's okay. But what we're talking about is the fact that we really do get lost in this idea that we have to change our idea of who we are just because we are changing. We were never our idea of who we were. It's always changing until we start to hold on to it. And that's what gets in our way. That's all we're saying, right? Is instead of doubling down on another identity, question identity, question it as being the restrictive box that everybody perceives it to be. Because it's not. It's just that we've gotten into the habit of making it that way. That's all it is. You know, at the end of the day, and this is, this is why I will often get in trouble for this view. And this is why I haven't talked about this in 20 some odd episodes for sure. The idea that sex and gender are two different things is an unfortunate thing because it means that gender has become a concept instead of just a way of telling biology. It's like Andrew was saying, you know, this is what I was saying to Andrew the other day in terms of like bathrooms and, and whatnot. We can get rid of the whole argument by just saying penises and vaginas, right? Because then we're getting rid of, of the gender then we're getting rid of the social construct and we're breaking it right down to the biology, right? Because that's all it was ever really meant to be. But then we started forming ideas based on our need to identify. It wasn't just that you have a penis or that you don't, is that it means something about you. And that's where we went wrong. That's where everything got all confused. That's where the problem comes from. Not addressing that isn't gonna fix it. You know, going farther in that direction is just gonna make it harder to deal with. So I think we should tear, tear down the original concepts rather than making more. Yeah. The, the fact that we think that the labels mean something about us is fascinating, but also makes sense because we're always trying to just like fall into certainties about things. So we're going to build made up ideas in order to feel more certain about those things. And uh, someone followed up or same person followed up. Even Teal Swan says different energies via different genders. It's like, yeah, okay. And like this idea that, you know, men and women have are different sizes, different energies, whatever. It's the same type of thing with the, the testosterone, like the overlapping testosterone. There are women who have more testosterone than certain men it's it's not this objective thing with like a divide and a gap in between the two parties it's the same with energies every single person has different energies at every different moment of the day i'm going to go through a, a bajillion energies throughout today 
some of them would be felt more so by some women and more so by some men. And, and sure, you can always like group things the way you want to see them, but that that is has nothing to do with what we're talking about here. I mean, like it does, but the reality of the energies isn't that they are on this, you know, two boxes. It's on a spectrum and there are men and women on both ends of the spectrum at all times, just because there's a few more women and a few more men in certain spots doesn't mean that we should try and fit ourselves into that box. It's recognizing that we're going to experience all of those things differently throughout the day. And our biology has impact, but it doesn't. And it also doesn't mean that we should try and change our biology in order to fit into a measured thing that we then categorize. It's like we're 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 experiencing reality and then we're measuring different things and then we're like okay most of these people that we measured fit into this box if you're not in if you're in this box and you think you should be in this box you should jump over here and change the thing that we were originally measuring because we want those boxes if that made any sense i don't know if that made sense but if we want these you know because we always want the boxes we want a box instead of just being Freeing yourself is not putting yourself into so many boxes, but we think that our value is derived from the boxes that we sit in. And so if we don't feel comfortable in a certain box, we're like, oh, I must be, must be in this box. Like you were never in any fucking boxes. Stop trying to put yourself in so many fucking boxes. <laughs> they don't help. <laughs> we had a follow up here. Um, so me as a gay man is not out of balance if I'm passive throughout my life because I'm a man who's passive. That would make me out of balance. Why would that make you out of balance? Because you have an idea of a man not being passive. There are lots of different types of men. The idea that a man is a certain way is the problem. See what I'm saying? You're just you. All of that stuff is extra. All that stuff is just concept and conditioning over time. And the fact is, is that it doesn't mean anything about you that you're passive. You're not contradicting any concept you're supposed to be. You're not a concept. You're you. See, that, that's all we're really saying is that whatever idea you have of yourself is just a tool until it becomes a prison. Right? There is no such thing as, as a man in terms of personality. There isn't. You know, all men have different personalities. It doesn't make them less of a man to, to act less like the majority if that makes sense to you, because that's really all we're saying. Oh, majority act like this. Therefore, if I'm not acting like that, I'm not part of that category. There's a lot of gray area. It's interesting how quickly our brain wants to create black and whites, right? It just wants to make the argument it's either this or that all the time. Life is nothing but gray area. It's the same thing that we were talking about early on in, in the podcast in terms of thinking about hot and cold. People tend to think about hot and cold, not recognizing that there is no hot and cold. There's just temperature on a spectrum. Okay? But the brain doesn't think of it that way. The brain makes it a simple matter of opposites, comparable opposites. But that's not life. That's just your brain oversimplifying. And that's what we do in terms of he and she. We oversimplify for convenience for the sake of identifying ourselves and coming up with a sense of value and coming up with a sense of certainty and all that, because what's the benefit of being told what a man is? Now you know what you're supposed to try and be, right? And that's the problem. 
because whatever you were told a man is isn't that's not the point you were probably told that by somebody who's insecure and desperate to define themselves uh yes there's there's another follow-up but you pretty much just covered everything in what you just said i know identity is a concept but the whole point is to transcend this <laughs> instead of just believing it we can't intellectualize we can't intellectualize ourselves out of identity you guys are in a box right two right now only only your box <laughs> what box are you putting us in right now through through believing that you know the the point of it is to transcend it and we can't uh intellectualize our way out of identities and it's the same kind of argument with you know not having a belief is a belief you know not letting go of recognizing concepts aren't truth is a is a concept it's like all right can we can we recognize that and then continue on with the discussion because it's just it's not about not using concepts it's not about you know denying the reality of concepts the reality of myself it's about recognizing that it isn't the truth and moving forward understanding that that any concept that you settle upon about yourself about the way a man or a woman should be about the way reality is about the way someone else is about the way your situation that you're going through right now is understanding that all of those things that we're going through and all of the ideas of what things are aren't the reality of what they are so the idea that you have of yourself is never the reality of yourself if you can understand that that your perception of reality isn't the truth of reality you still go on having that perception of reality but there isn't so much weight anymore there isn't so much gravity to everything because you know deep down yes i'm i'm perceiving this this way but it isn't the truth and so it isn't taken to be through the truth and that shift in that recognition is the key it's not about disregarding them it's not about you know i'm i'm not this at all like there is no me whatever all that all that sort of non-duality stuff it's about recognizing simply that whatever you think it is the the me that you think you are isn't the reality of what you are you are what's left when you recognize that none of those concepts are the truth reality is what's left when you recognize that all of your ideas of reality are the truth god is what's left when you recognize that any idea of god is not the reality of god it's what's left but our brain can't you know put a finger on that thing that's left because it's all uncertain you are uncertain reality is perpetually uncertain so we can't put our finger on it but we do our best to do so because that's what our brain does it it tries to put a finger on everything so that you can feel more comfortable because uncertainty is uncomfortable when you've been clinging to false certainty to feel more comfortable your entire life but you know that's where freedom lies so as you cling to that certainty as you perceive everything to be in a box and your idea of what that box is is the reality of it you're going to keep keep suffering because you're continuing to cling to you know prisons that you think you're going to find freedom in it's interesting because i i say this through experience and what i mean is so anybody who's been listening to the podcast has an idea that my life was relatively challenging let's just say and as a result i got drilled with the whole you know be a man thing and um of course that means you know don't show any emotion suck it up don't communicate that kind of thing just keep going power on through and, and all that and and as a result you get you take yourself very seriously you try to be all manly and tough and, and and so on and so forth you never show emotions you never you're never just silly for the sake of being silly that kind of thing and um and then i had a daughter and 
for me, that process was so very educational because having a kid, you just got to play, you just got to let go. And, and, and having a daughter, you can't validate your idea of being a male through your daughter, right? And so you really are letting go of that idea of being he. You're letting go of what it means to be he. All of a sudden you're doing silly things, you know, like putting on stupid hats and running around and giggling and then making funny noises and doing all that fun stuff. Whereas, you know, you can almost hear the, the adult males from your past judging you <laughs> and calling you derisive names. And it's because they were all self-validating in themselves, right? And so this is what I mean. Like, it's really important to recognizing that, to recognize that that programming's in there and to deliberately rip it apart, to deliberately question it, right? Because it was never the truth. It was just sold to us as truth by people who desperately wanted it and needed it to be the truth because that's the only sense of value that they had, right? There's nothing more freeing than questioning that, letting go and recognizing like, I don't have to be any of that. It doesn't actually take away from my maleness. It's not like me running around the house making a weird, <laughs> any of that. It's not like all of a sudden my penis just fell off. And it's really important to recognize that. Like it really has nothing to do with you as a person. Let go, relax, be yourself. It doesn't define you. And anybody who, who thinks it does is doing so for their own reasons. Once you recognize that you're free. just making a note i'm getting a clip of that out of there for sure but people like people are so afraid of their value being diminished by not clinging to being the thing that they're told that they should be that they keep doing it and they do have a fear that their values going to be diminished so they start thinking that they need to do certain things and we talked about this a lot in the dating workshop this weekend but that need you know to to get someone to like you to get in a marriage to have kids all of that when when those the reality of them are wants they're not actual needs but when you think they're needs and you don't have them you're gonna keep keep suffering and so when you think you need to be a certain thing in order to be a man and you're not currently doing that thing you're gonna suffer but the freedom lies in recognizing that there was never anything that you ever had to be there's nothing you need to do right now to be anything to gain any more value there is never anything that you need to do you know unless you're super hungry and probably eat but you know yeah that's a different discussion but in terms of the things that we value ourselves based upon there are very few needs out there and all of the things that you think your value is being derived from are not needs they're not they're just prisons that you cling to and thinking that you do need those things. It's only going to make your life a lot more difficult because until you get them, you're not going to feel good. You're not going to feel fulfilled. And then you get them. And because that's your, you know, state of mind, there's always, you know, your value is derived relative to everyone else's, your perception of everyone else's value, their perception of you. As soon as you get the thing, there's a new group that you're comparing yourself to and you got to get another thing. And, you know, you temporarily feel all right. Cause you, got the thing finally and then you start wanting something else and i'm not enough until i get this and that's how we spend our lives like a lot of people think that is you know the human condition they think that is the way that just the way it is you keep striving for stuff you keep setting goals you keep keep reaching them and then you know 
you get a new checkpoint and then you're not good enough until you reach the next one. People think that's how society, like reality actually is like the way it's, it's meant to be is that that's how lost in feeling like we're not enough has become because we're caught up in thinking we are the idea of what we think we are. But, you know, as, as you let go of that, it's just freedom in, in everything. And there's no need for anything to go a certain way because your value is no longer attached to the thing happening or the outcome that you thought would bring you more value. You're free. Like you can do anything and everything just becomes so much more enjoyable. It's uh, yeah, it's fucking incredible. <laughs> yeah, it really is. But I just wanted to follow up because there was a comment here and then we're going to move on to somebody else's question. Um yeah, but both of you still present as normal heterosexuals. Now, you see, that's that's the mentality right there that I'm talking about. And it's simply because you have an idea, one of normal and two heterosexual, that normal and heterosexual are somehow the same thing. Um, the other point is that you have an idea and that's the idea that has unfortunately made people not want to just be themselves forever. Like you understand that if I was, I don't even know how to describe this. If I was less male in your perception than I am right now let's say I, I was talking about I don't know women's clothing or I was talking about uh show tunes or something like that. I don't, whatever you consider to be gay activity whatever you might think that is does that mean I'm gay no in the same way that not talking about those things doesn't mean I'm hetero see doesn't mean anything you have an idea of what it means and that's not what it means there is no way to act normal and heterosexual. Just be yourself. You can try and act normal and heterosexual, but that, all that is, 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 again, it's a generalization. There are a lot of heterosexual people out there that you might assume are gay because you have an idea of what a gay person acts like, not because they actually are, not because they're any less male, but because you have an idea that they are. It's the only thing that separates them. In fact, is you don't know anything about either Andrew or myself or our sexuality, unless you've been listening to the podcast, in which case you've picked up clues here and there throughout the whole thing, like the fact that I'm married and whatnot, right? But at face value, if you're to just walk into the conversation, look at the two of us and go, wow, you two are obviously heterosexual. That's all you. That is all you. It really is important to recognize that it's all you. And the re and that goes back to the second question, which I wanted to, to address very quickly. Why do we want to validate the belief of who we are? And if the answer is to be comfortable, what does that mean? I don't think it's to be comfortable. I, I think it's so we're not uncertain. See, it's not necessarily comfort as, as the focus, nor is it security as the focus. Those are just the byproducts. That's just the direction we go in. The focus is getting away from the fear. The focus is getting away from the uncertainty. The focus is not knowing what reality is, not being able to put it in this very neat little black and white dichotomy, not being able to just categorize it and go, okay, I know what that is now. I don't need to question it anymore. That's why. Once we have an idea of ourselves, we're no longer a question mark. We don't have to be as aware. We don't have to be as sensitive. We can just focus on what we want and justify that. See? That's why. It simplifies things, but it cuts us off to everything else. It's the equivalent of uh, an antidepressant, very much as Andrew was saying the other day. It numbs us. That's the point of the ego. Self-definition numbs us to the present. Yeah, and then and then as we build that idea of ourselves too, you know, we we get trapped by it. Like it limits our ability to 
try new things because we don't see us ourselves in that way. And then we have to maintain it. Like it takes effort to maintain the idea of yourself. It's not just like, you know, you settle upon it. It's like, okay, there's that false certainty. I can set that aside, never have to worry about it again. Like you have to keep thinking about yourself all the time. Someone, someone asked, asked me uh, last year on an Instagram, like, is it tiring not thinking about yourself as much or something like that? And I was like, or is it tiring talking about the stuff you talk about all the time? And I said, absolutely not. What was tiring was thinking about myself all the time because talking about anything we talk about, like we come on here, talk about this stuff. We're off this. We do, we go about our lives. It's not like constantly running through our mind, like a nonstop fucking clapping monkey, monkey mind type thing. Like when I don't want to think about this stuff, I don't, I can stop. When you're caught up in the idea of yourself, it's very difficult to stop that. It's a constant thing. It's the constant process of what does this mean about me? You know, where where is my value? Where does my value lie here? And so, letting go of uh, of that idea, recognizing that you're never that idea, is the most important thing you can ever do. And I had a thought before that I got off track and now I'm trying to get back to it. And I'm like, fuck it. It went so far. Um, it, maintaining the idea. I think that was, that was the main point I was trying to get across that like that idea of yourself, once you settle upon it, it's not like, you know, you're free from that. It's like you, you go to work, you know, you go to prison and then you're working all day to maintain that idea. And then as someone comes around and causes you to question something about yourself, it, it takes extra work to resist that natural flow of the questioning of the letting go of an idea of yourself. Cause you have to, you know, either argue with them, defend yourself, defend, you know, your opinion of something because you have to be right or else that's going to diminish your value. So it just, it, it is portrayed as this thing that, you know, letting go of yourself is is this task and this work. And I'm not to say that not to say that it isn't. The process of letting go of all of those certainties is work because it can get very, very uncomfortable when that's been the fabric of your reality and the way that you see things. But maintaining it is a lot of work too, and and much more arduous work once you've gotten to a point where you've let go of some things to continue to maintain the idea and keep it around. That's something you got to do each and every moment. You got to remember, you know, how to how to act to maintain the idea as opposed to recognizing that you're none of those ideas. Then you can just whatever comes out of your mouth is you being you. Whatever you do throughout the day is you being you. That is your purpose every single moment, what you're doing. It's not, you know, fixated on this idea of this has to be what I do because this is going to raise my value and I can't do this because it's going to lower my value. And then I may be diminished. It's, your value doesn't fluctuate. It doesn't go up and down. You're never what you think you are. And it, it, it over time is a much less energy suck, if not like the least energy suck than <laughs> trying to maintain the idea. It's the biggest energy suck. Yeah. You definitely want to have less energy suck. Absolutely. Uh, I wanted to follow quickly up. Uh, you have to generalize to some extent. I can't pretend that I don't. You're absolutely right. Your brain does. Your brain will always generalize. That's its job. Its job is to categorize and, and contextualize and basically put things in neat little boxes for you. But the problem is, is if you let that do it on its own, 
you will increasingly end up in a narrower and narrower box. So it's not that you, you're not going to generalize, it's that if you don't watch for it, you'll take that as truth. That's the danger. That's the only danger. Your brain's gonna generalize for convenience in order to process information because it's, if it's always caveating, if it's always like, well, except for this, and this, and well, and that, and that, it, there's no processing that happens. Like it's just, it's like a bottleneck in, 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 in the entire conveyor line, right? Like you just gotta keep that in mind that you're going to generalize, but the process of growth is, question, is questioning that generalization, right? The process of wisdom and context is to not take that at face value and not define yourself by it. Right, but to recognize that it's happening for convenience sake, again. But if you're not on it, it'll take over your life. It really does, and that's where we're at societally right now. It's taken over our lives because we're not on it. We don't recognize that the brain's doing it all the time just for the sake of survival. The brain doesn't understand that questioning is in its best interest. It's just trying to settle on an understanding because the alternative is once again, fear. Okay? And the only way out of that fear isn't the sense of control, which is what the ego wants to do. It's just like we're saying, the ego thinks in a certain way, right? But it's having faith in yourself. See, it's not about control, right? That kind of fear can only be, be balanced through faith. Not faith in something, but faith. Pure, white-hot faith, okay? where you're just walking forward. That's it. And as you do that, you start to recognize that the fear is not something that stops you unless you give into it. That's why I like the expression that courage is not the absence of fear. It's carrying on despite it, right? I would say that that's also faith. Yeah, that perspective shift is so important, like so powerful just in recognizing that it's it's not about being afraid. It's just about whether or not you can do it despite that fear. You know, it's, it's not about how you feel. It's about what you do despite how you feel. I think for me is what, what it's always come down to. And it's, it's changed my life for sure. Cause I used to think when I was younger, like, Oh, if I could just get rid of these nerves, then I could go do that thing. As opposed to recognizing they don't have to be mutually exclusive. You can be afraid and do the thing still. And oftentimes that's the only way you can do it to start until it starts to get quieter but to think that it's going to completely go away even after doing it a few times is madness like of course you're going to be afraid of course you're going to be afraid of things and and it's the process of doing it because even just like a new situation that wouldn't typically be thought of as something that's scary you're you're stepping into uncertainty and if you're not practiced in stepping into uncertainty your brain can't settle upon something. And so it jumps to fear and nerves. And so in order to make that jump, you can't get rid of the nerves and do it until your brain recognizes that it's, you know, not the thing that it was afraid of because it just made that up. Um, and so letting go of that is, uh, is very important, but recognizing that it's not about getting rid of anything because that's, you know, the most counterintuitive thing as well. And that's why I, went through all the suffering that I went through, especially in high school was because I like, I would get nervous about something and think that I just had to get rid of the nerves in order to do it and wouldn't do it until I got rid of them. So me trying to get rid of them was resisting them super hard, just making them so much worse. And then, you know, get to a point where 
couldn't even say anything. And it was just like frozen because there was so much desire to not be feeling the way that I was feeling as opposed to, you know, accepting it for what it is, kind of just relaxing into the spot that I was recognizing that I don't have to do anything, be in any other state to do that thing. And so, yeah, that was just like a, a big long spiel on, on courage, not being about getting rid of the fear, but facing it anyway, because it's, it's super important and something that's very, very important to understand because a lot of what's peddled is only going to make it more difficult trying to get rid of any way that you're feeling only exacerbates it. For sure. There was a question here I'm going to address very quickly just because uh, I can actually just point them to an episode. Uh, where do we go when we die? It's a really long question. Uh, we actually covered this in a full episode that you can find in season two. It's called Life and Death. I believe it's season two, episode 10. Um, it's a good episode. We really do get into the weeds of it. We talk about what existence is, what life is, what our perception of death might be, the whole thing, where we go, time, space, all of it. The, the perception of division, in, in my opinion, I think we, we deep dived on that subject about as well as we could in one episode. And if you have further questions after the fact, I mean, keep listening to the podcast or, or reach out in a group free, because we love to talk about this. It's just that we're running out of time, unfortunately. We have about nine minutes left. And then we're going to be continuing on on Patreon. It's a tier one group today. So that means for only $5 a month, you can join. You can talk to us twice per week uh, for three to three and a half hours each and every week, which is always great. It's a good chance to not just connect with us, but to connect with the rest of the growing community. Can't recommend it enough. If you'd like to join us, we would love to see you. We'll be there at the top of the hour. Um, I did want to address one more question here very quickly. Um, so what if I want to buy a home? I just call a realtor and start the buying process. Despite the fear, I need the money first. I, I'd like to answer that with a yeah, no shit. Um, and it's just because it's not like walking forward in faith means you're going to get everything you want. That's not faith. See what I'm saying? Like you're still focused on what you want and needing that outcome in order to have the desired life that you think is going to make you happy. The whole point of faith is to let go of this, this need to get somewhere to be happy. It's your idea of yourself. It's your idea of your life and your perception of the world that's making you unhappy. In letting that go and having faith, you will find you have more ability to make money, to form alliances with people, to see opportunities, to go down different paths. And maybe that will take you towards your house down the road. But it's not a silver bullet. Nothing is. This is the whole problem with that manifestation kick. Like, you know, if I just get in the right mindset, everything's going to come to me. But you still have to participate. The whole point of this journey is to be in there doing it. It's not to walk through life getting everything that you want just because you want it. That's not going to make you happy as a person. So if you're asking in all honesty, you know, if just walk your faith and forward, even despite my bank account, yeah, you go ahead. You can call that real estate agent. You can talk to them about the house. Maybe you'll have a nice conversation. Maybe you'll be able to see something that you can shoot for in the future. It doesn't mean you're going to get it. But maybe you'll have a conversation when you do that changes your life or offers a new opportunity. Maybe they'll recommend something. Maybe they'll mention something with somebody who bought a previous house or something like it and what they did for a career. Maybe that'll set you down a different path. Right? The whole thing is to walk forward in faith, not to shoot for an end result. So it's a way of living. It's not a strategy for getting what you want. That's not letting go. That's not having faith. 
So I just wanted to address that very quickly. It really is an entirely different way of perceiving the world and yourself. And it's not something you can just, oh, I'm just going to have faith now because you don't know what that means. And your ego is going to give you an idea of what it means that it's not. As always, your brain wants to generalize. This is why one of my favorite expressions is always that there is no enlightenment. And oh, is that frustrating for people who are shooting for enlightenment, which is very much the point. Yeah, shooting for it and only taking themselves further from it. I uh, did want to shout out Brian. He is a Pennsylvania realtor. Uh, so uh, actualize when you do come around to that and you are interested. Give Brian a shot if you're interested in living in Pennsylvania. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's one of the funniest things when you talk about having faith. Immediately people jump to like, oh, so I should just, you know, lie in bed all day and have faith that I'm going to get a million dollars. Like it's so caught up in this idea that what you want is what you need. What you want is what's best for you. Like, Oh, I just have to satisfy my desires. Like, have you been listening to any fucking thing we've been saying this entire call or on any of the episodes ever? It's not about getting what you want, it's about letting go of your need to have it, your desire for the want. freedom happens. Now it doesn't happen in a place when you get the thing. Peace happens now when you let go of thinking you should be feeling anything other than what you're feeling. Like those things that arise through you, through that letting go, but it's not something where you just, you know, oh, oh, I let go of wanting to get anywhere and then I get what I want. It's like you're trying to get somewhere while you're saying you're letting go of what you want. Like what, what is that even, what are you even talking about? So it's, it's just funny, like in those recognitions, like it's not about, it's not like you're going to live your life that differently in the in the actions that you do immediately it's that your state shifts your mentality shifts and through that your priorities shift and through that you know your actions shift and then things change but we always put the cart before the horse and we're like oh so if i just have to you know take this action and then i'm gonna you know a million dollars is gonna drop out of the sky and then i'm gonna buy that house it's like no you have to let go of your need to do that and then your priorities are gonna shift your mentality, as your mentality changes, your priorities shift, your actions change. That action doesn't make as much sense anymore. Your reality changes. You're more free. And then, you know, that thing may come full circle and, and come around. Something happens because you stumbled upon something and had chatted with someone. Opportunity arises, you know, get a job, make money doing that job. And then, you know, 10 years later, all of a sudden that house that you were looking at before, as you, you know, let go of your need to get it comes full circle and gets it. But we think, you know, we have this fucking crazy ass egotistical mindset where we think that you know, letting go means that immediately all of my desires will be fulfilled. It's like missing everything thinking that, but that's, that's where the ego goes. That's the mentality that we're letting go of that will inform everything else we do in our lives, but it's not, you know, temporarily letting go of it to immediately get everything we want. It's the, the opposite. <laughs> As always, everything is backwards, but it is a good question. And I'm glad it came up because this is something that does come up very often in the journey. It is difficult to understand when you are used to thinking in a certain way about yourself as a fiction and there's a different way of living that you haven't been experiencing to a large degree. Maybe you get glimpses of it here and there, right? But to actually apply it to day to day. So it's not just glimpses, but the majority of your experience. That's, that's what changes 
and it's it's a product of, uh, of again work and and that work is letting go understanding what you're attached to understanding that your brain's constantly trying to fixate on on something and go that's the truth that's the truth that's the truth and therefore i'm this that's all your brain's ever trying to do that's its job right and so if you don't get in there and watch it doing that and say that's not me that's just the brain trying to figure out what the hell's going on you're always going to end up categorizing yourself and building a smaller and smaller box. And more importantly, you're going to end up judging other people because you have to without recognizing that it's part of the box. They go hand in hand. You, know, you try to stop judging, but you can't as long as you're in that box. Because the judgment and the box are the same thing. So just keep that in mind, right? The brain doesn't understand this automatically. It doesn't get it. It's it's tricky. It's counterintuitive. It's paradoxical. There's a lot to this. So again, if you haven't as yet, do check out the Dualistic Unity podcast. Uh, we are on season four right now. Season one and two really get into the basics of all of this. Season one, especially, in my opinion, season one is trippy as fuck. And I really recommend that you go and check it out. If you haven't listened to it, listen to it. If you've listened to it before and it's been quite some time, you'll probably get other things out of there because I definitely dropped some gems as we had that conversation. Um, I'm looking forward to revisiting it myself. I know Andrew and I are planning on doing um, kind of a commentary series where we watch season one together. We pause it here and there and we have a discussion about some of the things that we were talking about and comment on how far we've come since then. So that'll be coming up in the near future. We'll let everybody know on Patreon, of course. Um, thank you, everyone. For joining us today thank you andrew as always for the fantastic conversation i know this afternoon we're going to be trying something a little new uh with today's episode andrew and i are going to essentially try and do an episode without our eyeballs we're going to try not looking at the screen and just listening very intensely uh, to what we're saying and what's being said to us and see what happens see where where the visuals take us and what the conversation ends up being so we're hoping that that'll be uh That'll be a lot of fun, and we look forward to sharing that with you. We will chat about it a little bit more on Patreon in about 15 minutes. So we do hope to see you there. Yeah, I'm very excited for that. It's going to it's gonna get trippy for sure, but very fun. Um, yeah, looking forward to seeing some of you on Patreon in a few minutes, and talk to you soon.